Hello, and welcome to the Eagle Creek Podcast. Today, I'm joined again by our lead pastor, Matt Harris. And today, I'm excited um, because we're really going to dive deeper into his message um, from yesterday morning. Um, But if you haven't yet, please check out our our episode from last week. Um, You know, Pastor Matt shared really... um, We titled the actual podcast, Don't Quit in the Waiting, but he's really talking about what it looks like to um, not quit um, when you start feeling stretched and you feel that tension in your life. And so it was really good. So definitely go check that out if you haven't yet. Um, It was a really, uh, I think, important episode for us to hear. And then you prayed for us all at the end, that impartation. And so um, I hope that that episode can be a blessing to you. So if you haven't yet, please go check it out. But today, um, we're talking about yesterday's message, and you... Um, you know, really, we're speaking out of Colossians 3, um, week 6 in our series uh, on Colossians. And uh, the title of yesterday was Morality Comes from Identity. Mm-hmm. And really, this um, concept of morality, in the beginning, you talked about subjective morality. Uh, and so, I'd love to just start there. Yeah. Okay. If there's anything specific as well, you know, just what, what does it look like and what do you really want to dive deeper in today yeah. based on what we talked about yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the the passage that we're dealing with in uh, Colossians three five to twelve, it's uh, Paul talking to these people that have become believers in this town of Colossae, and um, they're now connecting. And he's making an assumption: you're connected, and you got this life in Christ, this relationship is really growing, and you get focused on God, but. There's immoral behaviors that you might be trapped in in your life. And so he goes ahead and he lists like 11 different immoral behaviors that you Mm -hmm. might be dealing with that almost anyone could be dealing with. And probably if you listed those 11 behaviors in any church today, nearly everyone in the room would be like, yeah, you got, you nailed me on at least one of them. Um, But the challenge is uh, twofold. One, for people that have grown up in church, it it was like they always got the list of sins. And maybe you grew up in a church where uh, they always told you the list of all the bad things, and all the bad people do this, 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 and this, and this. And so they didn't feel like very empowered. And like our mission statement as a church is to empower people to become all that God created them to be, because... I think a lot of us maybe grew up, if you grew up in church, maybe feeling not empowered, but maybe beat down or guilted or shamed or, you know, a whole variety of other things. And so that's, you know, really our mission statement motto there. But um, then you swing the other side, okay, and so we're like, "Ah, too much judgment and too much law and too much, you know, command, you know, it's all about rules, right? Mm. But then you swing to the other side and the pendulum goes way over here and suddenly it's like... Well, I don't think anyone should impose anything on anyone else, and everyone should just make up their own mind, and what's it your right or my right to tell anyone else what they ought to believe? And so um, we start moving into this concept, then is anything really true, or is it just all opinion? And so it's now everything's subjective, and nothing, mm-hmm. nothing's really like, you know, profoundly true, objective that you can, you know, based on, except for maybe some scientific facts. But aside from scientific facts, if it goes into the areas of philosophy and religion and morality, it's just all opinion. But if it has to do with one plus one equals two, okay, well, we'll admit to that. But aside from that, there's no other objective um, realities. And personally, I find that to be um, a crazy form of thinking because 
this is me. Okay, so I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's listening online, I'm a Christian. I really believe in Christian values, but I believe there's also a lot of logic behind what I believe as a Christian. And I think the same God that created one to one, one plus one equals two, is a God of that level of logical progressive thinking about most things that he's created. So I look and say he's the God who's created morality because uh, from scripture we learn that God is holy. It says, be holy as God is holy, like we're created in his image, not exactly like we're all powerful or something like that, but he's holy and we're created in the image holy and if one plus one equals two, then God saying do not murder equals do not murder for humans. You know, we're not right. going to be behaving in that way. And so we can look and say this is objective, it's real, it's true, morality is true. Um, you know, his morality for marriage or for sexual relationships is pretty clear. It's basically this one man plus one woman for one lifetime is what the Bible permits. Now, Moses said because of people's sin, they would end up being divorced and they would write certificates of divorce and that sort of thing. Jesus taught basically if someone's not getting into adultery, then you're supposed to remain faithful in that marriage and stay with that person. So there's some more commands that come around that, Mm. but it still keeps coming back to God's goal was to create an Adam for or an Eve for an Adam, an Adam for an Eve for the rest of their lives. Of course, we've messed that up. But the reality is we have to keep coming back to God's ultimate reality, like God's ultimate reality immorally with truth is that we don't lie to one another, that we have yep. an honest relationship, or that we don't steal from one another. You can go back to the Ten Commands that happened at Sinai. But I think a lot of people get frustrated with maybe their um, life of not measuring up. Mm. And what's easy to do when you're like, I always feel like a moral failure is to say, is for someone to say, you're not a moral failure. There's really no moral laws. So none of us moral failures. We're all just fine. And then, you know, people accept that. Like, well, that would be nice if there weren't any real right or wrong, then I'm not a bad person. Well, the fact is, there is a real right or wrong. There is a God who's the creator for all of us and a creator for moral behavior. And uh, because of that, you know, then we're left with this reality of having to face ourselves and saying, so that means I'm messed up. Mm. That means I'm in sin. That means I'm not measuring up to what God has for me. And I have a choice. Either I blow it off and say, no, I disagree. Or I deal with the fact that I have a conscience that's struggling, that there's maybe a sense of shame over some of my behavior, that guilt is very real and a part of my life. And it's not just externally imposed by people, but actually God has created a conscience and put that within me. And even if no one told me it was wrong, something in my heart would be telling me it was wrong. And because of that, I think to be whole internally We have to own the reality that there's a real morality. It's Mm. established by God. It's enforced by the presence of God in every man, woman, and child's conscience. Although some people blow it off and ignore it, um, we can't put it on religion and put it on Christians and put it on mom and dad because morality is real. Yeah. 
It's absolute. It's created by our creator and placed in every human heart. And to ignore it doesn't help us. It's, it's, that's not a way to move forward. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, you know, one thing you, you had, you had talked about yesterday was um, really this concept of like, at some point as Christians, we have to, we have to speak up. Mm-hmm. Like really, I think that's the the context. So, yeah. um, you know, we, we can't just um, allow the world's morality to be the only voice that, you know, is heard. And so, you know, standing, what does it look like to stand for righteousness, to stand for biblical, you know, Christ-like morality? Um, so maybe you could just speak to, you know, to the Christian who doesn't know how, what that looks like. Right. Who doesn't know how to stand up, you know, even for myself, like, what does it look like for friends and family who maybe don't believe what I believe? Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that I love them and care for them and want the best for them. But at some point we have to speak up, you know, what, what does that, you know, what do you see maybe as that line? Is that more of a gray area or you're like, no, you know, you, you have to speak up when this happens, or yeah. maybe just give some context around that. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, you'd go and say, well, why, why wouldn't people speak up? And the um, uh, probably some of it has to do with context. I don't have relationship with these people, and so I don't feel like I have a voice into their life. And there are times where you really, I would say, don't need to speak up in any and every situation. You know, if you're at the gas station and you see someone, you know, yell a cuss word at whatever, you don't need to go have a confrontation <laughs> yeah. with that person over that, right. you know, behavior or whatever. You you do pick uh, context. Um, I would say there's a lot of messaging that um, moralizing as Christians um, is inappropriate in American culture today. And that that's a personal thing, and you're supposed to keep it to yourself. Now, all of that is a philosophy that someone who is probably not a Christian believes, right? And they've told you their philosophy of what you should and shouldn't do, and now you're asked to embrace their philosophy. However, it's not a biblical philosophy. Mm. Um, for biblical philosophy, you turn to what Jesus said, where, you know, we talked about this Sunday, where we are the light of the world, or we are the salt of the earth, bringing preservation, um, moral preservation, spiritual preservation to people. And so we actually do have a role in speaking up, in bringing hope, and bringing light, and bringing wisdom for our culture, because whenever we have... Um, moral laws given by God that are meant to protect marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, if we want to have healthy marriages in our American context here, then speaking up about moral things that help protect, like don't cheat on people. Well, they're like, oh, you're moralizing. Well, yeah, I am moralizing. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It actually makes marriages better when you don't cheat on your spouse. So right, yeah, right. moralizing. Hey, um, you know, raise your children to be respectful and to respect authority. Well, you're moralizing and telling me that my kids need to be respectful. Yes, but it also leads to healthy culture when children have respectful relationships with their teachers and with the law. And um, you, you could go on to nearly anything Christianity has to offer on a moral standard to mm-hmm. the world and say, you should be silent. 
But actually, if we love our country and we love our neighbor and we love our school systems and we love, you know, the people in our family, then these moral standards that God has given us lead towards healthy human relationships and lead towards blessing. They're not um, anti-societal, they're pro-societal to be able to bring these values into our culture. So I would really encourage anyone who's a Christian, please speak up, but do it. You can use your voice in a way that is winsome, that brings people over and wins them to your cause. And then you can use your voice in a way that's caustic and that runs people away um, from your faith and your cause. And so I would say, as a Christian, always speak up for Christian values because it's super healthy for relational flourishing, Mm -hmm. but do so in a way that wins people to that because I believe that it's, it's a winning case to show honor and to show respect and to be truthful and to act in love and to be loyal and faithful in marriage relationships. Mm. And, you know, to, and, and honestly, the relationship between one woman and one man for a lifetime as a context for what marriage ought to be. Actually, there are truckloads of studies that show when a child has a mother and father in the home, that having both sexes in a child's life leads towards healthier flourishing. Of course, you can find broken homes where that's not true. And you can find single moms and single dads that are doing a fantastic job. But the biblical ideal is still the healthiest as a whole ideal. So speaking out on these things is always going to be super healthy Mm. for our society. It shows love. It doesn't show um, narrow-mindedness. It doesn't show judgmentalism. It shows that you actually understand certain things work very well in culture because God created human society Mm. and human relationships, and has created structures where we run really well when we work within that. And so, I don't know, I'd say speak up by all means, just do it in the right way, but always speak up, especially, especially, especially. Parents, I want to speak to you. Your children are going to say to you at some point in their teen years today, they're actually taught to say this by um, social media and actually a number of teachers now, although there are many good godly teachers in our school systems trying to bring wherever they can biblical values, Mm. but they're going to be taught to say, mom and dad, you have your opinion, you have what you think is right or wrong, and I have mine, and I need you to just like let me believe what I believe, and you need to just you know back off and and you're gonna think, "Hey, man, my kid's old enough, they're twelve years old, and they've told me they have their beliefs, and I need to back off. You would be choosing to believe your twelve year old child knows better how to parent them than the Bible, which says to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it." And you're choosing to hand them over to the world that taught them to say that to you. And the world has now backed you off of even speaking out in your own home. Never get back down from speaking out in your own home. Mm. I would say don't get back down from speaking out on clear moral issues that the Bible teaches on, on any forum where God places you, where you say this is an appropriate context. You know, once again, use the gas station illustration. You don't need to yell at the guy at the other pump for doing something you think is immoral unless it's 
you know, is violating and harming someone there present and you got to step in. I get that. That's different. You're being a good Samaritan maybe in that moment. Yeah. Um, but certainly speak up and especially in your own home to your own kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And even, you know, a couple, I don't remember if it was two or three weeks ago, but you, you know, to double down on the, on the kid conversation with parenting, you talked about, um, you know, kids, and I, I have little, I have little ones. My oldest is not even two yet. Yeah. And so I'm not, you know, anywhere near, you know, uh, I don't have teenagers or anything like that. And so, um, I love this conversation cause it's helpful for me. Um, but also like we were, we have a small group that meets online on Wednesdays. It's a online only small group mm-hmm. and, uh, they all are, are older parents mm-hmm. and their biggest takeaway from that message a couple of weeks ago was the concept of like, um, you had talked about not getting into the waves with like basically being like an anchor, being like, like that. You talked about it being an anchor lighthouse, right. something along that, those lines. Right. Um, and, um, that your kids don't need you to get into the mess with them. Right. You know what I mean? They need you to be the anchor so that when the waves settle, you're still there. You know what I mean? Sure. And so maybe, you know, if there's anything else on that that you could go into, because I feel like the parenting concept in yep. this is there is the most relevant because we're starting to see this creep into the schools. Yes. Here in the Midwest, um, you know, the progressivism is not maybe not as getting in it as quickly as it is maybe on the coast, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. but, but it's, there could come a time where by the time my kids are in elementary school, middle school, high school, mm-hmm. um, you know, things could have progressed by then to that point where they're teaching things at a really young age. Yeah. And so how do we as parents, um, one, prepare for that. Yeah. Uh, but two, if you know, if we have little ones now who are hearing all this stuff, you know, I don't I don't think any of this is new. I, I don't think this is stuff that maybe kids haven't talked about or seen, you know, previously. I went to public school, yeah. <laughs> you know. But um but it, it does seem like it's becoming more of like a an an agenda versus um concepts that you could choose to take or not it's more of like no this is what you're supposed to believe mm-hmm. um and so i don't know i just feel like that's really hot right now yeah. that conversation especially with the kids in the schools right and so um yeah i agree i mean what would you say to parents who have kids maybe we have people listening who you know are in more progressive yeah. states where fourth fifth i mean fourth fifth graders are literally being told they can choose their gender right <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like what do you yeah. say to that you know how do you sure. approach that conversation yeah well uh, first of all i'd say you approach it biblically yeah. um you can't choose your own gender unless you want to rebel against your creator who created a male to be a male and a female to be a female there's no question about that from a biblical standard there's yeah. no you can't make that biblical that you know, um, you can change your gender and be honoring of God's creation of you. You're dishonoring God's creation of you. Mm -hmm. And so you teach your child very, very clearly um, that they're 
they're a boy if they're a boy. If they were born a boy, they're a boy, and they're supposed to, and that's what God has created them to be. And if they want to live their most fulfilled life, it won't be because they think they're a girl and they're confused and want to change over and be a girl. Mm. If you lean into that, you will lean into damaging their divine purpose, not supporting it. So you're not backing God's divine purpose for your child when you allow them to question their gender without ardently and directly and consistently going at that with messaging from the Bible that they are exactly who they're supposed to be. And I would say you do everything you can. You pull them out of public school, you get them into counseling, you get them in youth ministry, you do everything you can to protect their identity. Mm. When you let a child's identity get crushed in grade school and junior high, and as a parent, you didn't have the strength to stand up for your own child, Mm. and you didn't have the moral character to accept biblical teaching on these things, that's for people that are Christians. If you're not a Christian and you don't believe that, that's your choice. But for someone who's a Christian, I think you've chosen to say, I believe in Christianity, and it's taught in the Bible, and the Bible's super clear on this one. Hmm. So um, now, backing up to the idea of parents jumping in the ocean, in the waves with their children, it just comes down to this, okay? I'm talking to parents for a minute. Sherry and I just watched it so much. Okay, so our kids went through public school here in Lee Summit. We switched them to Christian school, all four of them, for a different, a variety of different reasons. Hmm. One of them, he got a really good scholarship by doing that to the college he wanted to. And anyway, I could go through the different reasons, but yeah. we made a switch in high, as we got to high school. High school is a very difficult challenge in Lee Summit for your child to remain strongly, conservatively Christian, not conservatively Republican, or liberally Democrat, conservatively Christian Mm -hmm. in the public school because the pressure is threefold. You have the pressure from certain teachers, not others, certain teachers that mock and make fun of kids with conservative Christian values, that you will Mm -hmm. be openly mocked in the school district here in Lee Summit. The other is um, you will have the peers will create a lot of pressure where no one would stand up for conservative Christian value without understanding you're going to be mocked and maybe bullied for it. And not every kid in every instance, but there's a lot of that. There's Mm -hmm. enough of that to where you get a strong sense of -hmm. where the student body stands on issues. Um, And then, of course, you have the social media side where, you know, the peer group is going to be very, very clear and that that they're being owned pretty early. So with that being the case, then the parent kids come home and they think the parents are ridiculous. Mm. And they try to have parents uh, to conversations with their parents. The parents, in many cases, uh, not every case, but in many cases, parents haven't done their homework and read up and studied up on their own conservative values and beliefs from a biblical perspective. Mm. But the kid is being trained in very liberal moral positions that are anti-biblical and they're given, I'll say, pseudo-information. In other words, you can get a study that says anything you want it to st- say. Right. And so my kids would come home and say, now I heard the blah, blah, blah. It, w- it would take me two minutes of research to completely disprove what they had said and show, no, that is absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. In fact, a bunch of the information they used had been debunked and was still being used to prove cases. Mm-hmm. And so it was ridiculous things. My kids would laugh at the stuff they were being taught once they realized, and we did a little at-home study. Mm. So 
I started to know what my kids were being taught. And I did my own research and background research and research to research to find out, well, yes, this particular group, which is pro this subject, did their own survey right. and came up with their own results, and it was taught as fact. Mm. So that's a lot of what they're being given, but parents don't know that, kids don't know that, and so they just buy into it. So then the parents, after a while, have this chasm that's forming. The kid is being sucked in, and the parents are way out here, and now church looks ridiculous to that 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and mom and dad are over there on the side of the church, and they look ridiculous, and parents feel like they're losing their kids in their teen years anyway. Because a kid wants to be independent and dresses their own way and style their hair their own way. And that's that's always been the case with teens, and that's fine. They gotta have a lot of freedom for independence of expression, and I'm big on that. I let my kids do whatever they want with there, and they're dyeing it and cutting it and shaving it and blah blah blah. I don't care. Uh, my girls have a few earrings. One of them got a tattoo on her ankle of a cross. <laughs> I was good with the cross. I'm not gonna fight them on all the just go out with clothes on, be decent, you know, my kid will go out stinking, you know, I'm right. like, put on deodorant, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not going to fight him on that sort of stuff because I'm going to save the fight for values of morality and Christian faith. Yeah, Parents want to fight their kids on all sorts of nonsensical issues. Don't fight them on all that stuff. Friends that are dragging them down, stand the line, values that are dragging them down, and media that is dragging them. If it's dragging their values and their beliefs away from faith, you step in. And you fight the fight at every level that you have to. Meaning, if you got to pull them from school, you got to pick up. You got. I've I've had parents this year that pulled their kids out of school, went from homeschooling to private Christian school to moving out of state, mm. and they've won the battle because they knew they would do anything they had to do to win the battle for their kids' heart. But instead. Parents aren't equipped in arming themselves, and they aren't ready to fight the battle at all costs because it would cost them financially. Right? It would be so expensive. I can't. I couldn't save for retirement for years, not a dime. Mm. I didn't. I couldn't put anything in the bank, and that was with me as a pastor getting half off. I couldn't afford to do it, <laughs> and I couldn't save anything at a half off, and so no savings. And you're like, well, that's crazy. My kids love and serve Jesus and have conservative Christian values. Yeah. That's worth everything to me. Mm -hmm. That's worth everything. So no new cars for Matt and Sherry, no car payments, no savings for retirement during these years, and very cheap vacations, except for one we finally got to do after a lot of years, <laughs> because I valued that more than everything. Yeah. So I would give up everything for that. So parents aren't willing to pay the price and learn what they need to learn. And if they're not, what do they have? What are they going to do? I'm going to jump in there with them to stay close to my kids so that I have relationship because more than anything, I want to just be close to my kids. I get that. Mm -hmm. I want that too. But there are times in a kid's relationship, in a parent's relationship, where you're not going to be able to be their buddy. You're going to have to be their parent and their guide and their, I'll say, their um, strong moral anchor and spiritual anchor. And so for us, we have to stand up on this hill as the lighthouse and say, this is where we're standing. This is what we value. This is who we are. And I love you. And I want to talk to you. And I want to be open. And I want to work through things with you. You just keep doing that. You keep the dialogue open. But if they say, 
I can't even talk with you anymore because you believe that. I don't even want to come to your house and visit the holiday because of your standards. (coughs) We've had parents with adult children that their kids would not visit them in the past couple of years because they didn't share their same values. Mm -hmm. And what's been interesting is one by one by one, we've seen those walls break as the parents remain consistently holding to their values the kids start to realize, I don't want to do this. I love my mom and dad. My mom and dad love me. I don't want to break relationship over this belief. And then in many cases, they started to realize a lot of the stuff kids believe that they're taught, they're false beliefs. Mm. And false beliefs end up not working out in reality. They can be naively believed when you're 15, but in reality, it doesn't lead towards human flourishing. Right. Beliefs that are biblical and moral and God-based actually work for the longevity of a marriage, for the longevity of a moral life, for the longevity of a spiritual life, for the longevity of a parenting life. The Bible actually works. And so when kids get into life where things have to just not sound good, but they have to work good, or my heart's wrong and my relationships are wrong— Then they start to look back to mom and dad who've been the anchor in the lighthouse and say, life is working for mom and dad. Mm. Their marriage is working. Their finances are working. They have purpose in life. They're connected to a body of believers and a bigger value in life that's meaningful to them. They seem to have spiritual peace in their life and tranquility and things that I'm lacking (laughs) with this life that I've chased. Now, my hope is you'll raise your kids so they never have to do that, that they stay anchored and connected to you at the lighthouse and become a lighthouse of their own. Mm. But if you don't have that run and it doesn't work out that way for you, there are other things that you can do in that preach. So I know I preached a lot on that, but that's yeah. why we got there to that analogy of the lighthouse as opposed to jumping in, because we watched a lot of parents that as soon as the gap got wide enough between them and their kids' values, mm-hmm. and they realized relationship was being broken or about to be broken with it, the child was going to say, if you won't do it my way, I'm not your buddy anymore. The parents would not let allow that to occur. Mm. And so they dove in with him and said, great, then we value what w- you value. Right Now, both parents and children are floundering in the moral sea of this world together with no real answer. They've lost connection to Christ, who is the head. Mm. They, they're connected together, but they're not connected to Christ, who is the head. And you see that brokenness in their children and in them, and that will only lead to a continuing life of spiritual and moral degradation that doesn't move up in life, that moves down over time, they will continue to reap what they're sowing. The one who sows to the flesh of the flesh will reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life. And that sowing to the flesh can't help but lead to what that brings, Mm. a reaping of destruction and corruption in yep. those areas of their life that Jesus was seeking to heal and make whole and probably had been doing in their life till then. So yeah, I don't know if that's a bleak look at <laughs> things, but I think it's honest. I think it's yeah. just what it is, you know? No, no. I think it's so good. I think, again, I think it's relevant. Um, and we've been going for a minute here so we can wrap things up here. Mm-hmm. But um, I know we ended, I don't know if we'll do this every single time, but um, 
you know, praying at the end. But I do feel like, you know, you are in the midst of this, um, even with your own kids, kind of the age bracket that they're in. They're all either in, you know, in college or just at like right in the middle of high school, roughly, or early yeah. be- beginning of high school. So um, it's obviously really relevant for you. And um, so, you know, parenting has been something that um, you've been kind of hitting quite a bit when you've been in this Colossians conversation, talking right. about morality. And from a parent's perspective, right, uh, yeah. that's been a big part of it. So, um, but yeah, do you mind just praying for us? I yeah. mean, I, I, th- I feel like parents um, are a really big group of people. Yes. <laughs> and so I think we most are. people watching. There's a lot of us. There is. I think most people watching or listening, um, uh, majority probably are parents. Yeah. And so um, I think this is relevant. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, as things continue to evolve and we continue to grow um, from a Christian perspective, Christian morals, biblical morality, um, just praying that over us, like mm-hmm. that we would just be able to stand firm mm-hmm. as parents mm-hmm. and um, that we would be able to, one, um, have better understanding of biblical morality, Christian values for ourselves, yeah. um, but also that we'd be able to, we'd be well-versed enough to stand strong when the time comes to have those times with our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, cause we could be, you know, like I have really little ones, like I, I got a couple years before, you know, I'm going right. to have to have hard conversations. Yeah. Um, but then there are other people who, you know, like you said, are, have adult children and then yeah. everything in between. And yeah. so maybe you could just pray for us, just pray for parents. Yeah. Um, um, I think that'd be a great way to end today. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I'll give this one piece of counsel. Yeah. Um, but a couple, well, uh, two things. One, you you got to be so connected to Christ that you care about this. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people, what I'm saying doesn't matter because the values aren't so valuable to them mm. that their children must own these values for life and health and spiritual life. And, and you got to own it uh, personally to own it for your kids. So that would yeah. be one thing I'd say. And that comes by being in the Word and connected to God personally. Yeah. So nothing's going to make this happen without that happening. Mm-hmm. This just is a sounds like a good idea for Christians to do, but for it to be important for you to do, you have to own this personally. And then the second thing is out of that, it should drive connection and communication constantly with your child all through their learning years, public school, private school, homeschool, wherever it is. Something should be driving your connection to your child um, so that you know what's happening, when mm-hmm. it's happening. You're not two years behind on their values being changed. You know as it's happening, the day it was taught, what was taught, and how that impacted their heart, and what questions they had, so that in the very moment it's happening, or within that day, within 24 hours, you are bringing spiritual dire- direction, you're doing research with them, you're bring. this has to happen as they're growing. Yeah. Um, because parents get behind the eight ball on this and they're playing catch up and it's hard because you get kids get indoctrinated very quickly on stuff. Mm. So we end up behind. So I'd say stay on top of it. And then the other thing that I'm going to do right now with prayer is for Sherry and I, there were certain battles we were not winning very well, um, by explanation or logically because kids get resistant. They, they like want to be their own person. They don't want you to force their beliefs on them and cram it down their throat. And we didn't want to be those parents. 
And so trying to have the easy and the gentle and the subtle and or the director, all the different angles, we're like, they're just locked in almost like hardened against what we have to say because we're mom and dad, you know? And so prayer was where the breakthroughs would happen. We'd be like, okay, we're going to have to back off a little bit right now, but we're going to have to like really pound the doors of heaven in prayer until God brings a breakthrough mm. and we can and we watch for indicators. We still have dialogue, not pressure dialogue, but dialogue to see a, a litmus test where they are on on values until we can see that our prayers have broken through and when we did then we would open up open conversation to ensure those values had broken through and then to reinforce those values. Mm. But we we had to back off into prayer places during certain places where they were just locked in with us and they weren't we weren't going to get anywhere with arguing. Right. We were going the spirit of God had to soften their heart to receive truth. And so for parents that are like you feel like you're just locked in, that's that's prayer time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want to do right now. So yeah. absolutely let's pray parents. God we know that your word is truth and that your word was given to bring life to us, Lord, and freedom to our lives and freedom for our futures and our children and direction for us. And so I pray that you would use that truth to bring transformation to our children and to our homes. And as we're so committed at a personal life to knowing the truth of your word and to living out the truth of your word, the Lord, you would help us to know how to bring that truth in a good and godly and gracious way daily into our children's lives, whether they're teenagers or little kids, and with such consistency and with such personal passion and personal faithfulness in the way that we live it and believe it ourselves, that our kids would naturally see this is the only form of life for me as a life based on and built on the Word of God. I pray that they would begin to hunger for the word and hunger for truth and hunger for depth and growth in you so that they can build a life that is stable and solid. And as they're connected to you, that they will become deeply connected to us. Lord, I pray that over each parent, a new grace and a new strength to stand and become the men and women of God, the moms and dads of God that you've called them to be. Empower them to be all that you've created them to be. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.